Gilligan Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 346. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi Ross, a Ross Jedi Jay, and it is so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies here with me in the Smoking Pod Studio. That's right, kids, we have left the L5J. We have said goodbye to Clarkson, we have ventured out to the Hammer. That's right, beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, the home of Mr. Martin Short. Uh, we have established the Smoking Pod Studio. Uh, and we're going to bring it hard this week with our first episode from Such. Uh, he is the original voice of Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons. He has had a hand in every cartoon you ever loved. An accomplished voice actor and director, having won several Emmys. Uh, he's had a hand in every cartoon made uh, from the 80s uh, to the 90s till now. Uh, an amazing talent and a truly wonderful guy. We had an incredible conversation. His name is Charles Adler, and he's the best of the best, and he has some incredible stories to share with you. Uh, So there we go, kids. We're coming out of the hammer with a bang, bringing it to you. It's going to be a fantastic season for uh, an elegant weapon because we got some good stuff coming up. And I don't mean season in the way of podcast season. I don't get this season thing. All these podcasts breaking themselves up to seasons. It's almost like they need a break. Really? You need to go on a hiatus? We've been going for eight years straight, bitches, and we're going to keep on going. So, here we go. Please enjoy my conversation with the legendary Mr. Charles Adler. Comfortable way to do a panel. I would love to do it. I'm like, I'm we like it. to keep things relaxed around here. Exactly so. How are you? Good. How are you? I love that puppet. Sprocket? Love him. Hi. He's wonderful. Well, thanks for, thanks for showing up, guys. Yes, thank you for coming today. Uh, Emmy Award winning director and animation voice legend, ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Adler. In repose. <laughs> uh, it's such a big thrill to have you here. I'm a huge fan of your craft and your industry. Uh, and having had quite a few conversations with a few of your peers, I have heard, in general, the number one question about your industry is how to get into your industry. I'm trying to get out. I don't know. <laughs> I you also want to get in. I also hear that the number one response is first and foremost, learn to act. That's my response. Yeah, this rings true with you as well. Well, absolutely, because guys, you know, when you talk about it, I don't know what your perception is, but my perception of people not in this, as you can see, I need a, I don't need a mic. I'm loud. Um, can you hear me okay? It, this doesn't really help much. <laughs> um, my perception of your perception is that it's about the voice. Is that correct? Who thinks voice mm-hmm. acting is about the voice? You're on the fence. 
Okay, I think it's about acting. Right. Exactly. So, like any... Hmm? Well, that's right. So anything that you do in any, any form of acting is acting. Voice acting is no different than stage acting or film acting or television acting, except for the technical element of it, which is it's a much more forward... <coughs> well, you don't cough. It's a much more forward, excuse me, uh, explosion of energy than film acting, which is very interior. Theater acting, the closest that I've ever come to theater acting is doing animation, voices for animation. It's very full on, full out. So yeah, acting's everything. Right. Without that, it doesn't matter what you do. I don't care what you sound like. And that was the dream for you in the beginning? Yes? No. No. Not, e no. Uh, not even. I could have cared less about animation. Oh, but acting in general, you oh, wanted yeah. to be an actor, yes. Oh yeah. yeah, I was an actor in New York and I had done a lot of theater and a lot of commercials. and. Um, I was doing a very serious, intense play in New York at the time, which was a big hit. And it was a, uh, I say it was a big hit because it was a groundbreaking piece at that time. And it was, as, as an actor, it was like climbing Mount Everest every night for me. It was, it was a huge amount of energy. And when I was there, weirdly, my agent said they're casting an animated show, or an animated special, called My Little Pony. And I said, what the hell is that? And, <laughs> which is what I usually ask about anything. And I'm delicate. Yes. And uh, I don't think I said hell, though. Uh, thank you. I hate working alone. Um, and. I got it. Spike the baby dragon. Right, I remember. Oh, yes, man. yes. I'm the original Spike. <laughs> was the toy already out and popular? Was that why they were making the cartoon? I'll be a son of a bitch Don't if know. I know. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What, honey? Is that... Is that you probably know way more than I do. I, I, live, I, live, in, I live in the dark with right. everything that I do. Right. So was this something you were reluctant about at first? No, no offered, I just didn't know what the hell I was doing. You, right, just unaware? I mean, I just, it was, but it was an acting job. So as far as I was concerned, it was just another, you know, form of expressing, which I loved. I had such a great time. It was with Tony Randall. That's incredible. And, and Sandy, uh, Sandy, Sandy Duncan. Sandy Duncan. Yeah. Tony yeah. Randall. Uh, and then the show that I had done in New York, I went on tour with. And it was maybe about a year after I had done the original My Little Pony. And I get a phone call, and I am in Philadelphia. Oh, right on. At the Forest Theater. Okay. Um, and my agent said, they're doing another My Little Pony, a part two. And I said, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I said shit is because I had to get on a train on my day off, go to New York, spend the night, get up, do My Little Pony part two, and then take a train back to oh, wow. make the show. 
So it wasn't, I was not like, wee, can't <laughs> wait to do it. It was shit. So, hi. Did a bus just let off? <laughs> a few late arrivals. That's, no, that's okay. great. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, so, I did it, and I kind of dug it. I really liked it. Weirdly, when the tour closed, I decided to move to Los Angeles. Right. And uh, I got represented because I was represented in New York, and it was their affiliates, blah, blah, blah. And um, I auditioned, not auditioned, I went to an agency, and they said, well, we really want you for on-camera commercials. This feeds back to you guys about acting. Because in New York, in the 70s... In the 70s, when I grew up in New York... There was just... <laughs> You were just an actor. They didn't say voice actor. I haven't heard those phrase. Voice actor, stage actor, TV actor, film actor. You're just an actor. You could do. You could go from medium to medium to medium. It never. I'd sing in a club at night. I would do. It didn't matter. Performance was performance. That's right. right. And then I moved to LA, and the agent says to me, "Well, you know, Charlie, uh, we want you for commercials." But I said, well, "What about radio?" Because I've been doing a lot of radio voiceover at the time. Nothing uh, cartoony. Just you know, talking with this big flapping toilet of mine. And uh, they said no. And I said, well, that's not acceptable. I'm not going to sign with you unless you represent me for everything. So I guess they thought I was kind of hot at the time for commercials. So a guy leaves. He comes back. And he said, uh, yeah, they'll meet you. And that's how he said it. They'll meet you. Right. Really welcoming, huh? <laughs> so, you were, so you were the hamburger, hamburger was it? Yeah, but that yeah. was after. Oh, that was after? Yeah, All right. that was after. So I I met these two dames. They were so unfriendly. Oh. They were downright hateful. One is one of my dearest friends in the world who directs now, who directs everything, all, a ton of things, Ginny McSwain. She, you'll mm -hmm. see her in a million credits. And Arlene Thornton, who ended up representing me, who was my agent then. But they said to me, you have to prepare an audition. Uh, an audition for us, and I did not know what the hell to do, what that meant. I really didn't. We'll see you, we'll see you next week. What time? One o'clock. Next Monday, one o'clock. See you. I don't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I went home, and then I realized, well, I've acted my whole life. I have huge improv background. I've been slipping in and out of personalities my whole life. Um, why not? Yeah. I found some children's books. I started to write materials. I started to improvise as people who live in my head. And by the time that we came by, I, I had an audition prepared. And I was such a weirdo, hard to believe, and that I asked them if I could do the audition with my back to them. I was so nervous. Right. Is the hat and sunglasses true? Mm-hmm. What? Right oh, yeah, I heard yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a pith helmet. Oh, yeah? I had a pith helmet. Like Stanley Livingston, don't ask. And sunglasses. So I'm auditioning with my back to them with a pilth helmet and sunglasses. Something wrong with this guy? <laughs> so I they don't, they said bring in five minutes. Well, I did 12. And when I was done, they were like, hi. <laughs> I thought, well, why weren't you high last week? But anyway, they got me in general audition at Hanna-Barbera. I think this was 1983. I did the exact same thing. And two weeks later, I was on the Smurfs. Wow. Just like that. It, natural Smurfling. So. Mr. Fugabot. So 
I um, never really aimed to do animation. Right. And weirdly, about the third year into it, My Little Pony gets picked up for a series in L.A. And they, and oh, we did a feature. They did a feature of My Little Pony with Cloris Leachman and Danny DeVito and I don't remember who else. Right. And that was, that was a lot of fun. However, it got picked up as a series and I ended up playing the Tony Randall role and the Danny DeVito role and then Spike. Okay. And we did 65 episodes of that. Right on. So it just sort of took It's off. crazy that it took off at that time when the, it was about to be like the golden time of 80s cartoons. Yeah, how lucky was I? Right. And you were on all of them. How like, lucky was I? I look at the scope and the breadth of how many things you've touched and it's it's unmatched like it's Thank you. it really is insane like it, i really appreciate how that. do you do like do you think at the time you became popular because you were enthusiastic and you like you know you were enjoying it did that feed off and people wanted to I hire you because right of that place at the right time i right. don't i don't know that it had anything to do with it i mean certainly i had the capacity and they recognized that and i figured out that i had the capacity too and the more i did the more i understood that i could do it but i was as dumb as a manhole cover right i didn't know what the hell i was doing I was just acting. I was just acting and having a good time. And they embraced it. And in terms of, I was enthusiastic. I was, but I also had an enthusiastically foul mouth. <laughs> and, and that didn't always make me that popular. But I kept doing what I did. And luckily, they didn't kill me off. And, um, but somewhere around, I was doing a show at um, Klasky Chupo called Our Real Monsters. And I love that one. Ickes. Yeah, I love that. Huh? The, the, the purple one with the big ears. The neurotic one. He was always nervous. Yeah, my Ickes. And I can't remember exactly, but I was also teaching, which I still do in L.A., and I love it. And um, the casting director, Barbara Wright, said to me, you know, they're not so happy with the direction that the voice direction is taking because it's being directed by an animation director who is brilliantly talented as an animation director, but the language that actors and directors talk to each other in is very different. And I'm very to the point and shorthand. And, and she said, uh, could we come and watch you teach? And I said, yeah, I'd love it. So she came. And then the next week, she brought Arlene Klasky, who's still a very dear friend, and Gabor Chupa, who's still a dear friend, who you remind me of physically. You look a lot like Gabor. <laughs> and, um, uh, they invited me to try directing, as a trial, three episodes of Rugrats. And I did, and I ended up directing everything in that studio for 10 years. I right. directed the Rugrats. I won an Emmy for that. I directed the Wild Thornberries, Rocket Powered. I directed Five as Told by Gingers, All Grown Up. Um, shit, I can't even remember what else. <laughs> The movies, the 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 the, the right, Red, right. Red It's Red so Red great the, uh, that your teaching like prepared you for yes. kind of this other role, right? And then yeah. that combined with a little bit of right place, right time. Oh, I think so. I know. think everything's the right place, the right time. There yeah. are so many gifted people who never get a chance. As many people are succeeding, there mm -hmm. are there are four hundred thousand more that don't. And so I don't take any of you what I've been given. Be likely. ready to step up when it comes. It's uh, the reason I'll just tell you quickly. The reason I'm sitting right here is uh, 
the purveyors of this fine show. They also do a show in Allentown, the great Allentown Comic Con. Uh, and about six years ago, I was just down there visiting a friend. Uh, my friend runs Artist Sally. And I was down there just visiting, just hanging out. And Nichelle Nichols, Uhura from Star Trek. Her. She's an angel. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. She was the head guest. You know, and she's older in years. She was in a wheelchair. She doesn't hear great these days. What? And <laughs> they were going to put her up in front of her packed house just on her own. No, no moderator. Well, he, this, this sweet man no asked host. me backstage if I needed a moderator. I said, yeah. Just some people do like to do their own thing. But either way. No, I don't. Uh, so I was like, you can't let this happen. You can't just send her out there. She won't. Eat. Someone's at least got to repeat the questions. And he's like, well, you do it then. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I went up, and we had a fantastic She's time. She's beautiful, yeah. isn't she? She's so beautiful. six years later, thanks to Uhura, I'm still sitting right here. Well, so I right place, I, I, I right time. Michelle and I thank you, know? you because I, I, this, these are these can be very daunting. Yes. And unless you have an advocate who's asking, which mm. is why I said to him also, he said, do you want um, a moderator? And I said, yeah. And uh, I said, but don't give me somebody who doesn't know what the hell I've done. <laughs> give me somebody who actually knows something so you can ask me don't ask me and so what have you done don't yeah. he said well I'll be doing it well it's it's crazy but that's that's the breadth and the scope thing is I am very familiar with Charlie's work and a More lot so of it but then I still like to make sure there's maybe something cool I didn't miss you know some little bit of trivia from their pastor profile so I'll go online and I do some googling and everything just to be to have all that information Yes, IMDb. Which is so incorrect. And I was like, and so yeah. incomplete. I was like, okay, I knew, I knew he did this and this. There's that. Oh, he, he was in this. He was in this. What? You, he was in this. Imagine it, how I feel when people just come up happening. and say, "You were so and so." I go, "I was." <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew. How was I? Who did I play? Have you ever had to go, on, go back to say a role, then you've kind of forgotten what it was and had Every to relearn day. the voice? Every day. Really? I mean, there's some shows that I do. That I don't do on a regular basis. And so if it's not, you know, fresh in here, because now I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not 30 anymore. I know it's hard to believe in. Um, all right, 35. Um, six, seven, eight. Um, then I have to say to them, you have to play the fucker. Excuse me if there are children in the room. Are there children in the room? Anyone underage? We got one. Oh, I'm, I, well, earmuffs. Oh, I, I earmuffs. No, 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 no. I won't. I won't do that. Not never around kids. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, that's grand. So, uh, when does the directing come into the career? What? What? At what point are you that offered was, this? Do you that chase was this? I, that was it. Oh yeah, we were just talking Rug about that. Sorry. Was, no, it's okay. Yeah, Rug, yeah. You're captivated by my youth and beauty. Rugrats. <laughs> can you blame him? Um. Rugrats just, it just had a life of its own. Yeah. Then Wild Thornberries and Rocket Power, all those franchises. And then I started to direct at Disney and I started to do stuff for Lionsgate. And then it just, it just kind of snubbled. It became a career where, where it actually dominated my career versus, doing, versus voicing. Right. Um, and I still prefer acting. Well, it's you, you still do so much still do. while also directing, and, and I'm sure that's not a necessity. So it must be a passion. It's a necessity for, you. for my soul. Yeah, right. I need to act. Right. It's not. It's not an elective at this point in my life. I've been doing it since I'm 15, 
I'll be 63. I've been acting for what, 48 years? Somebody do the math or I'll kill myself. <laughs> like about 48 years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a long time. And um, now I just feel like a vending machine. You know, they put a cord and I go, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's an interesting time ta uh, now, too, because over the past few years, uh, you know, recognition for your craft has increased greatly yeah. as far as things like uh, I know that voice. Yep. Uh, you know, these everybody know John DiMaggio's uh, I Know That Voice documentary and just the popularity of a lot of you guys like Rob Paulson having his own podcast yeah. and having all these wonderful guests and people getting to, you know, you know, learn. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it must be a little gratifying that it's kind of finally coming around where, you know, you know what it's you don't have to do the voice all the time to be known for it now. Well, right? my my desire has never been to be known for anything in particular, I just love to work. To me, you know, I was the first one out of the theater before the audience could catch up to me, and on the subway. So for me, it was like, I did my job, I loved it, say goodnight, Gracie. I was never that interested in the acclaim, but this is what has happened. I think because we record uh, in a vacuum, really, and we're just a bunch of carny folk, uh, I never was aware of the shows as they came out. Now remember in the 80s and 90s there wasn't this huge information highway. Yeah. There were like three or four networks and syndication and I didn't, I was too busy living and working to look backwards and go, oh, look at me. You know, someone would call for an interview every now and certainly Tiny Toons was a big splash and so there was more attention for that than any other show that I had done. But for the most part, yeah, it was like, you know, well, Big whoop. I was just going to work and living right, my life. Right, right, right. Then, and this is this is where it turned. Now, all these cons, and I've said no to cons for 175 years. <laughs> I was invited to uh, San Diego's Comic Con. I know, going back 30 years. I'll go, no! 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 <laughs> mm mm. Didn't go, didn't want to go. My friends are all gone. They said, oh, Charlie, you're having such a good time. I said, no, I would not. Well, we go out, we go drinking. I said, you enough of that at home. <laughs> I don't need to do it, you know. Anyway, but my, now my agent of the last 14 years, I would have a Christmas party at my house for all the kids who worked there every year and the staff to thank them for all the stuff they would do. And a girl I spoke to every single day Marielle, wonderful girl, but we never met in person. We had only spoken. So then she comes to my house, and I don't know, it's like 15 people and blah, blah, blah. And I'm standing at my bar shaking a martini for her, and she starts to cry. And I thought I, she didn't like the way I was shaking the martini. <laughs> and what the hell was she crying about? I said, Marielle, are you all right? Did I say something? She said, you just, you have to know that when I was a little girl, and she told me this whole terrible story about her family, and I'll spare you all the details, and huge amounts of loss. Right. And she would rush home, and her mother was working, and she would rush home and watch Tiny Toons. And she said, that show, and for I don't like to sound dramatic, but this is what she said to me, that show saved my life. And for I could actually hear my own breaks. And I thought, you know, Adler, 
you have been such an idiot to not know that your work means something to somebody. I, it never, never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. And now we're, we know we're talking well, you know, well into an established career, but it never occurred to me that it was significant. And the first con I went to, it became very, very clear to me that you guys have had, uh, have, have been impacted by something that I have a lot of love and self-respect in. And so it means, it, 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 it's become very clear to me, other than the fact that I'm an idiot, that I missed the boat. I never really understood that my work meant something to people. And that, as an artist, is everything. So I'm no longer in a vacuum. So when people come up to meet me, I take that very seriously. I mean, can you imagine you're just minding your business and somebody comes up on the street and says, I love the way you clean. No, I, I really, and I was a janitor. I'm saying that, picking that, because I was a janitor for three years. I love the way you scrub. I love the way my house looks because of you. I love your work. That's that's a huge acknowledgement, isn't it? With, that, with, with anything anybody does. Mm -hmm. And so we get this inordinate amount of love heaped on us, which I completely missed the boat on, which now I take very seriously. And so the fact that there are, you know, there's more than one person in this room who gives a rat's ass about what I have to say. No, I, I think yeah. it's a miracle. I, I think it's a miracle. I yeah. do. So I, I guess I should end this part of my yapping by saying thank you for showing up and thank you for receiving our collective Absolutely. work. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I come from a generation, you know, I was born in the late 70s, grew up in the 80s. So I'm from a generation where those cartoons are our childhood. And now it's interesting because you go through a time in the 90s and the early aughts when it was, of course, the trend. If an animated, big animated movie was being made, you had to fill it with celebrities. Right. You know, that's Still how do. you brought them Still in. Do. But now, the kids who are my age are a lot of the people who are making this stuff now, who have taken over the industry, right? And they have a different outlook. They remember the voices. And to them, that's their role. That's their voice. No reason they shouldn't continue to do it. I love that you said that because I yeah. can't reveal. It's too, it's uh, it's just private uh, with a, with a very very dear friend of mine who's a big right uppy up, up who creates stuff, and she said to me, just that, we're the same age range. We worked together for a hundred years. She's an incredibly creative artist in every way, and. An agency, one of the biggest in the world, sought her out because the agents who sought her out grew up on her work. Right. And she said, why, why me? He said, because you changed my life. And what you just said, Jay, mm -hmm. that generation is now stepping in. We're making the stuff I'll, now. I'll take We're it. in charge. I'll take, I'll take it. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love it because... I think it's a big reason that conventions and this has become over the past 10, 15 years such a booming industry is because, you know, we're all growing. All of those 80s kids, all of us, we're growing up now. Yeah. And now we can make it. And we think back to the things that influence us. And because we loved them so much, 
We want to grow on them and add to them and, you know, keep their lives going. That means a lot. To so we have respect farts. for you for bringing. Yeah, totally. You know, like we know. I think that the Hollywood doesn't realize how well informed people are now, especially in this geek generation. Yeah. You know, sure. You know, that's a big name doing that voice. But we're well aware who Frank Welker is. Yeah. Yeah. Well aware who Frank Welker is, and we know that name in our sleep, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, it's amazing, and uh, you know, you're a big part of that. So thank you, you know, thank you. It's how was the experience working on the Transformers movie? Had you ever done any voice work for, you know, for wait, wait, you mean the Michael Bay one? Yes, for the Michael Bay. Was it was it was there much of a difference having to go from animated to like a big you know CGI movie? Nope. No, not at all. all right, it's a dull answer. You all want to hear something? Oh yes. <laughs> and then this, it, it was. I, I went to work. Right. I've never said I'm going to the studio. I've never said I'm going to the theater. I go to work. How yeah. was work? Work was good. Yeah. It doesn't get deeper than that. Um, but but I liked Michael Bay a lot. That's right. And I didn't think I was gonna. Right on. And um, what a he was fun. And he was so collaborative, and he was so energetic, and he was so on fire, and he had so many ideas. And he was really, it was a real pleasure. And you know, I'm looking at this, I'm standing on a soundstage, maybe the size of this, and the, the height of the screen is maybe half again as high as that wall, or this wall. And these massive images come up, and I'm you know, slugging into the beep, beep, beep line. How much time do we have? Uh, about 15, 20 minutes. To live? To live. How do I? The world shall be over ideas? soon, and then you don't got to worry about it anymore. <laughs> 15 minutes to live. Um, anyway, so I think there might be questions, and I don't want to dominate with my Yes, that's a good point. Oh, jeez, absolutely. I think that hand went up first, right there. Hi there. Check, please. Hi. Uh, Hi. Uh, you got me. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I, I, I have a really bad knee, or else I'd be jumping up and down. Seriously, I don't want to appear lazy. Video game? Not remotely. <laughs> I'm, but I, I hope I was good. <laughs> oh, always. Oh, I bet you there's years worth of you and oh, your I, peers. We don't go to jail. Oh, God. No, we don't go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 no, I, I don't say those words. You're going to play it, aren't you? <laughs> You're going to fucking play it, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, an old oh. PC game, right, right, What's right. PC? Do you remember when someone came to you for your first video game? No, no. I Just don't. I, I don't play video games. The last video game game I played was Pac-Man. <laughs> um, I love Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man, and I usually play it at the car wash. But right. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't play video games. I don't. I know I've been in some, right. but I couldn't tell you what they were. Yeah. Uh, I. I hate. Technology. I'm a moron. It took me five minutes to put my phone number in someone's phone today for, for some radio interview. I mean, literally. I'm like, uh. <laughs> I just. I have no capacity 
or interest. I'm kind of dull. I'd rather be with dogs and... And talking to your dog's funny. Well, all right, so I'm going to tell you... Would you has you, have your dogs heard things we'd love to hear? Yes, I'm going to tell you now because it's so, it's, it's so in my head and I've been doing it at every job for the last two months. And I may as well tell you now because it still cracks me up. So I have three rescues. And my youngest is named Max and he's 125 pounds. And he's a Mastiff Rottweiler. And he is a total pussy. <laughs> now I have a... Double wide chaise lounges. They're this wide, and then they go out. So I put my old weary ass up. And every time I get on it, Max jumps on top of me. And this is what I do. Can you hold this for me? Yes. Thank you. I pick him up. I flip him over, and I say to him, "Oh, Max, do you wish to play, baby?" <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "I go. I'm going to diaper you." I'm going to powder your bum. I'm going to kiss you and squeeze you. And then we're going to have a tea party. So now, thanks for holding it. So yes. now, when I go to work or I teach, I go, Does anyone wish to play baby? I have lost my mind. <laughs> and you know what's so great about it? I have no interest in finding it. <laughs> That's excellent. Was that your only question? Or? There are a couple of people behind it. We have a short, short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. I wish I could tell you. We did it. We laughed our asses off. The script is brilliantly hilarious. Usually when I read a script, I go, well, I was howling because it really, static cling is hilarious. They haven't... Um, I don't know what their hold, the hold up is, frankly. I think it has to do with the fact that the guys who grew up in Rocco's Modern Life are no longer Nickelodeon audiences, and they're more Hulu, Netflix, Amazon audiences. YouTube. So I think that yeah. they're probably looking to sell it to, to one of those. a streaming service. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Do you wish to play baby? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hi. How are you? Sure. I'd there, love to. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Well, Aww. somebody did because I left, but um, <laughs> but I would love it. Don't ask me why. Good, good. I stank on ice. I'm kidding. No, my wonderful, my wonderful dear friend, John Kassir, who's the crypt keeper, took over for me. He did a beautiful job. And the sweetest man in the world. And I couldn't have been happier for anybody to do it. Honestly, that's and, and as it turns out, he only did like three episodes, and they, and that show yeah. took a show. I just got to meet him at a show in Michigan like last month called Astronomical. Guy, right? and he's so nice. And I passed his yeah. house, and the can there's a canyon from my canyon to the beach, and every time I drive by, a honk. Right. And they'll say, "I heard you." Nice, nice. Hello. Hi. You wish to play, baby? <laughs> <laughs> No, never, never, ever. That's not my job. My job is to get the best out of who's in front of me and 
my capacity as an actor cannot in any way encroach or interfere with that. And so I'm very clear about my job description. Um, and by the way, when I'm hired as an actor, I feel the same about the director. Although I'm not, I'm not suggesting I'm an easy sell. You know, I'm very, I'm very cranky. Now, especially, you know, I go, really? Really? So, you know, at this age, it's kind of like, what? Talk fast. That's me as an actor now. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Not you, that was me. That was, that was me demonstrating. It wasn't, that wasn't, let's go, let's go, it wasn't directed at you. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Wonderful question. What would I, I don't understand the question, Pete. What would I call them? I never think in terms of that. I just think of them as people. I mean, I've played stains. I can't think that there's a stain. It's right. got a personality, you know. Do you ever have to describe a certain voice to a new actor that you're looking for well, to I get out of them? I never describe a voice. Like I a describe stuff. an emotional something. Or I'll, if the room says... Uh, you know, we love their acting, but we're, we're thinking of something a little um, more childlike. Maybe I would say, you know, go childlike or go younger, but I don't like to, to direct in terms of, I want you to sound like this, because th that completely, in my opinion, defeats the idea of that it's an acting job. So Ickes, to me, was just this brilliantly neurotic being. I loved him because he was he was he was this broken neurotic little nut and I I was in love with I mean I have fallen in love with so many of the people that I played as if they have nothing to do with me Cow to me is my favorite person on the planet You wish to play baby <laughs> <laughs> Excellent Thank you so much Thank you Hi Thanks. Oh, thanks, George. <laughs> oh, the, the best, happiest. Because that's back in the day when you actually recorded together in the same room, right? Tress, Tress to this minute is one of my most beloved friends. And uh, Cree, Summer, uh, Samira, is one of my most beloved, closest friends. And that time, you know, Robbie Paulson was on that, and, and we're very close, and um, Frank was on it, and Don Messick, who passed. Maurice. And, uh, Maurice and Candy Milo, and um, uh, shit, Kath Susi, and Danny Cooksey, and Joe Alasky, who's passed. And I'm just trying to go down the road. Crazy lineup. In the room. <laughs> and it was, it was a really wonderfully creative time because it was the first time that somebody the caliber of Steven Spielberg got involved and so there was it was a double-edged sword it was thrilling because they were trying to achieve something with the writing which was really exciting and we had in many ways permission to be playful 
But in many ways, there was a lot of pressure because it was Steven Spielberg and because the people on the other side of the glass were so worried about answering. I always, I always used to say they're trying to kiss Buddha's robe. And so, you know, that, that, that doesn't always mix or make for a great environment. But from our side of it, from the, from the acting side of it, with Tress and Creed and all those people, it was, right. children, cover your ears, bliss. Right. Bliss. And, you know, Tress, you know, once you work very intimately with somebody, it really becomes a marriage. And anybody who knows Tress feels that about Tress. I'm not the only one. And, uh, but I know, and I always say this to her, that we could be in Dodger Stadium on opposite sides and we'd find each other in 10 seconds. <laughs> now, weirdly, I was getting on a plane three weeks ago to do uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and I was waiting in line to get on the plane. Somebody taps me on the shoulder, and it's Maurice. I said, what the, are you doing here? And he said, oh, we're going to a convention in Chicago. Oh, he said, Rob's over there on the phone. So, okay, we chat, we hug, he leaves. Rob taps me on the shoulder, we turn around, we hug, we chat, he leaves. Two minutes later, Tress comes over, taps me on the shoulder, <laughs> we hug, we chat, she leaves. Two minutes later, E.G. E. Daly <laughs> comes up. We hug, we chat, we get on the plane. They're going to Chicago. I'm transferring over to Lexington. But it was such a great party. And this strange stranger, not strange, this lovely lady sitting next to me, looks at me, cover the ears, children. Well, you know the word I'm going to say, the F. And she looked at me and she said, hi, I, I, I got to ask you something. I said, what? She said, who the F are you? <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank but you. We all have this wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Tressie was having Awesome, thank Thanks. you. What I always like to at least touch on, and uh, I'll ask this as we wrap up here, is whenever I do get to talk to one of you or your peers, uh, being a fan of your industry is, I don't think I've encountered any other industry in the arts or performing or wherever where the community is so close-knit, mm -hmm. is so supportive mm -hmm. uh, as the voice acting community. It's, it's unusual. It's unusual, it's strange, everyone I don't think I've ever met any one of you guys who wasn't at least in some way pleasant. You guys are constantly doing things like being an offered a job, being like, that's not for me, that's for Don, that's or right. that's for whoever. And I don't do that well, yeah. but so-and-so does. It's unbelievable. Well, yeah. you know, it's, I, this is what I liken it to. If you love your coworkers, and if they're decent people, and m most everybody I encounter is, it's creative, so we're, we're all kind of weird and idiotically and badly behaved people. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're, our work requires that we're disarmed that fast, which means if you're disarmed, if you're not guarded, and your work is about dancing with somebody else and playing with them, then there's no, there's no formality. There, there becomes a shorthand. We all know each other. We all are in each other's underwear. We all know each other's lives. We all know each other's, all the personal elements. And if someone's sick, we know when and where and how. And, and it, it has become a, a, a great family, but particularly with us old farts who have just been around a long right. time. Yeah. And did, were so prolific, as I've been so lucky to be in the 80s and 90s, that we just, we would go from show to show to show to show to show. Right. 
Right. And the greats you've learned from, too. Oh, I'm my sure. God. Mel Blanc was my father. Don Messick was my father. I mean, right, right. Has anyone here ever listened to Talking Tunes, Rob Paulson's podcast? There is an episode with June Foray that is a testament to podcasting. It is one of the most incredible conversations I've ever had. And you can hear it in Rob's voice. Yeah. He's just so in awe that he's sitting yeah, here yeah. talking to June Foray, right? It was amazing. Does everyone know June Foray? Uh, original Granny and uh, was it Wilma or Betty? I don't know. One of the two. No, Betty. no. But what she was was um, Wilma and Betty were um, De Benedict and uh, shit. I'm correcting right. you, but it wasn't. It was, okay. But June was Natasha. She was Rocky. Yes. Yeah. She was all the princesses, all those idiotic things, those those cartoons. She was just amazing. It's incredible. And about this tall. That's incredible. <laughs> teeny, teeny, little, very strong lady. She made it to, I think, 100. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she went far. She it was, was amazing. Something. Well, was I'm amazing. almost there. <laughs> I think you got a few few days left before that. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful, the incredible, the legendary Mr. Charlie Thank Adler. Thanks for coming, Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you.